Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Thank you so much for joining us wherever you may be listening in the world. My name's Ben Hocking and this is your weekly fix of F1. Of course, joining me, Harry Eid and Samuel Sage. How are you guys? We are the Joe Biden and Donald Trump of late breaking, and we are here to stay. And if Harry slash Trump disagrees with me, we're going to the Supreme Court. Fake news. I, I don't think you've done very well on that one, I'm afraid, Harry. You, you've been given the short straw there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do not want to be Donald, just, just saying. No one does. Let's talk about F1, shall we? It's much nicer. Yeah, and we'll avoid what my next question would have been is, what does that make me? I don't actually want to know the answer to that. So, All right, Kamala. <laughs> yeah, I should have seen that coming. Anyway, what have we Chris got to Kamala. discuss today outside of <laughs> Chris Kamala Harris? Um, well, the second AlphaTauri seat to start with. Um, it remains up for grabs, although Yuki Sonoda seems like the most probable option right now. We'll be discussing whether this would be unfair on Alex Albon if he loses his Red Bull seat and has nowhere to go. Um, we discuss whether Kevin Magnussen is unfortunate to be leaving Haas at the end of this season. And we play a game of F1 Guess the Year, Harry versus Sam, or as it's apparently known, now known, uh, Biden versus Trump. But anyway, we're going <laughs> to kick off with something else. Lewis Hamilton, of course, closing in on his seventh world title, which would leap leave him level with Michael Schumacher. Um, but is there doubt as to whether he would return for a crack at an eighth championship? The contract remains unsigned. Uh, and at the weekend, Lewis Hamilton stated that whilst he would like to be around in 2021, there is no guarantee. Harry, do you think there's any chance that Hamilton walks away? Um, I, th- You know, I wouldn't say uh, never. But then again, I wouldn't bet, you know, my car on it that he's not going to stay. Uh, yeah, there's every possibility that he might not. You know, uh, I think this year, uh, more than any other year, because obviously we've had coronavirus and, you know, we were locked down for, for the first half of what would have been the season. And Hamilton's even admitted, you know, he's got a different perspective on on his life. And I think Toto Wolff said the same. And, you know, I think they're almost in similar mindsets where they're starting to think about the end of the end of the road for their for their F1 careers doesn't mean it's going to happen immediately but 
you know, I would not rule it out. You know, the Mercedes have just won their seventh constructors. Hamilton's now taken the all-time race win record. He's going to win his seventh to match uh, Schumacher. I don't know. I, I, I can, I could see him walking away. I mean, we've, I've always said this to you both. We'll do this bit now on this podcast, and he'll sign literally tomorrow morning, and we'll look like fools. But anyway, never mind. Um, but yeah, I, I, I see. He's got this, you know, extreme E team. He's going to go and join Nico Rosberg for a bit of banter there. He's got other exploits outside of F one, and yeah, he could, you know, he, he could easily come back and win title number eight next year. I don't doubt that. Um, but maybe there's a bit of him that, I don't know, doesn't want to, thinks he's achieved all he can achieve in F1. I'm not sure. And the fact that he hasn't signed yet, you know, suggests he's clearly not quite sure what he wants to do yet. So um, I wouldn't rule it out. I'm not going to, as I said, I'm not going to bet any money on it. I think he will still be back next year, but I wouldn't be totally shocked if it did happen. What about you, Sam? Do you think there's any chance this happens? Well, um, I, I kind of take a hot take on Twitter. If you don't follow us and the boys, go check us out uh, at Breaking on Twitter. Join the discussion that we have over there every day on F1. Um, and I take a bit of a hot take that was uh, Hamilton will retire this season and he'll go and drive slash directly manage his Extreme E team. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked at all. I think he's very content with where he is at the moment. He's very happy with what he's achieved. We've almost seen a bit of a light-hearted side of Hamilton the last few races where he always almost shrugged everything off. It's like he's he's hit the number that Schumacher had hit and surpassed it and kind of been like, I'm all right now. I've done it. I am the best there's ever been in terms of statistics because he is going to win that seventh title. Um, now, I'm going to quote Ben, what Ben said the other day, that Hamilton won't go for an eighth because he's too scared and he's uh, not good enough, is what Ben said. Um, I, I disagree, but I'd almost be a little shocked if he didn't give it one more time until the... Uh, until the new regs coming. I'd like to see him go for an eighth. I think it would be good, but it's a pretty unblemished record. So I wouldn't be surprised if he decides to turn around and go, thank you very much. And off he goes. I really would be shocked if he does actually go and race somewhere else other than his own team. I don't think he'll join any other category, really. Um, I think he's got other things that he wants to go and achieve now. Music, fashion, you know, world peace. He genuinely thinks he can probably achieve it. Greenpeace. The guy's got many fingers in many pots. And I, I think... He's using his platform for the right stuff. And maybe now he thinks I've hit a point where I can go on and actually make a change. So we'll see. Again, he will now sign this contract tomorrow before midday. Um, But either way, I think it's the right call. I don't think there's a wrong call for him at the moment. I make absolutely no apologies for spitting pure <laughs> facts, by the way, when it comes to Lewis Hamilton. He he won't come back next season. He will realise that seven is the maximum he can get, and he's not a better driver than Michael Schumacher. So he's just going to quit while he's ahead. He's not he's not good enough for that eighth title. Um, yeah, he's going to run scared. I, I presume that is still the logic, considering that was what the logic was with Nico Rosberg four years ago, right? So, I mean, if it works there, it works everywhere, right? Yeah, it sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Anyway, that's that over and done with. Of course, I don't believe anything that I just said in the last 30 seconds. Um, Lewis Hamilton has always been, I would say, a bit a bit blasé when it comes to records. I don't think it's necessarily something he... Uh, at least he shows that he cares about. Whether he does care about them sort of internally is is you know up to be discussed but at least from an external perspective 
I don't think he he necessarily yeah he doesn't show that he cares a great deal about all of these stats all of these numbers um that that he's beating he's obviously very appreciative and very um graceful when he does so um you know when Schumacher or Mick Schumacher I should say uh, he gave him the it gave him Michael's helmet and we had the Ayrton Senna one back in Canada a few years ago. Obviously very appreciative when he gets these accolades, uh, but I don't necessarily think it's number one on his mind. At least that's his persona. Um, and I guess it comes down to two questions here when it comes to stats. And it is, does an eighth title mean as much to him as it would to others? Because I'm sure for many Hamilton fans, uh, and even just fans of motorsport generally would like to would like to see it, or at least would like to see the attempt to do it. Um, does Hamilton care as much as they do? Um, and I think then the other question is, does it actually mean more to Hamilton than he lets on? Because I don't think he lets it on a lot. But then, you know, he's on the cusp of being the most successful Formula One driver in history. If you're going to use titles as the barometer, that's got to weigh. It's got to weigh in your mind somewhat. You know, I, I know we had at the Nürburgring when he when he matched the tally, and he he said after the race that oh he didn't even didn't even realize he'd done it. Don't really buy it. So is there a, is there a case here where he's just uh, he's playing it a bit? I I don't see any reason why he's going to step away. Quite frankly, I think there's too much keeping him in F1. Um, you know, deep down, he is a racer, um, and I, I think he loves F1. Uh, I think it's something that's downplayed somewhat, um, but he is—he's he, a passionate racer, and I think that will—that will be one of the factors that keeps him in. Obviously, Mercedes aren't too shabby. You know, Mercedes are capable of winning a race here and there, so I think he'll probably stick around for that. Um, he's getting paid a few pennies. Um, you know. He, he, I'm not sure exactly how much it is, but he's not on a he's not on a bad wage. Should we put it that way? Twenty quid a week, isn't it? Yeah, something like that. He's rolling in it, really. Um, <laughs> and he's still at the top of his game. Uh, and there's not really any indication to say that he's going to drop off that pace anytime soon. If it does happen, it will be a quite dramatic fall from from the standard that he's at because there hasn't really been any signs of even slowing down gradually he's still at that peak um so no changes in 21 as well so that's another another factor to bear in mind there's there's a lot of uh or i said there's a lack of lack of uncertainty when it comes to 2021 we kind of know what we're going to get in terms of performance you're not going to see anything dramatically different which is of course going to help hamilton and mercedes being as good as they are and just to add another factor in there, actually, I'm not sure if this will be a huge one in it, but I do think that Hamilton will want to see out of his see out his career with a live crowd. I, I don't think he'll want to finish his career behind all of these sort of closed door races as, as as we're getting at the moment. So I think he'll stick around. I don't see any reason why he won't. Interesting point that I hadn't thought about the live crowd. Of course, Hamilton has the uh, hashtag best fans. Uh, exactly. wherever he goes wherever he goes so it would be pretty devastating for him to win possibly an eighth title or to win a seventh thing his final title rather and have no one there to to thank for the sport i mean regardless of whether you think there is no chance at all that he's staying or there's he will definitely stay you, you can't deny that it is uh a bit strange that he hasn't signed that contract yet 
Harry, why do you think he wouldn't have signed his contract up to this point, even if he does think he will be there? Um, I think they might have forgotten to ask him. Ah, that will yeah. be it. Nice one. Well, yeah. You... Hold on, I'll just give him a ring. <laughs> Lewis, mate, you got to sign the contract. Oh, yeah, he's twig now. Good. Bono, right. Bono, Bono me contract. Cheers, cheers. Bye, 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 bye. He won't hang up first. He never hangs up first. He's so needy. Um, no. I honestly, I don't, I don't know. But, you know, I made the point. Maybe he's contemplating uh, retirement. That could be a possible reason. Um, you know, he's spoken earlier on in the year. You know, in the midst of the complete chaos that is 2020, he, you know, I don't think he felt comfortable negotiating a huge. 20 quid a week contract that he gets now. Um, yeah, I think that's a factor. I think money's a factor. I think contemplating where he is in his career. I also think, think the other factor is Toto Wolf, and I wouldn't underestimate that one. I think they are, you know, they're, they're very much like Schumacher Tot or Schumacher Braun back in the day. They're very much a unit, and I think one without the other is. Uh, not impossible to see, but I think it would be, uh, I don't know, I would feel unlikely to see. And, you know, Wolf, again, has also admitted, you know, the pandemic and lockdowns given a new pers- uh, um, perspective on life. He spent a few months locked in with his his his, his son and his wife, and he, I think he quite enjoyed it. So, um, yeah, I think maybe that's another factor because Wolf's not confirmed what he's doing next year either. Um, but, yeah, and... <laughs> He's also safe in the knowledge that Mercedes aren't going to go and find someone else. So he can take his time over this one, I think. I've got this really weird hunch that Lewis is going to like race for free next year. And he's going to, he's trying to work out a way to donate or do something with that money that he's meant to be paid. And I feel like there's some kind of strange legal difficulty or something they're going through. He's, he's been so public about helping people and donating and voting and change. I feel like... There's going to be something with the announcement when it does happen, you know. I don't feel like it's just going to be a, oh, another year or a, no, I'm retiring, thanks. I think there's going to be something else tied to it all. He's paying for George Russell to race instead. That's what's going to be. That's it. He's gone, Williams, take my 40 quid a month and let George have the seat, please. Right. So... <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. Um, And that's the end of that. Uh, On more serious note, Sam, do you think that, well, you've kind of shown your hand, I guess, if you think that is potentially a reason that he hasn't signed his contract up until this point, do you think that there are other factors at play? Yeah, I'm saying I do. I think that Lewis has almost had a bit of a revelation in the last 12 to 18 months. We've seen a massive shift in his online persona. Um, he's become incredibly vocal at uh, events. You know, we've seen the T-shirts, we've seen the slogans, we've seen the the physical movements and what he's saying. Whenever he gets on on a mic after or before a race, you know, he's becoming a real advocate for change, regardless of where it is, whether that be you know the veganism, the, the supporting the planet, um, Black Lives Matter. You know, making that equality in the sport. I don't think he want to give that up, and I think he's trying to continue that legacy, but also build a foundation for that to carry on when he does leave. And I think. If he were to leave this year, he wouldn't be able to carry on doing that. I think it would end up coming to an abrupt halt. And um, I feel like with Mercedes, who are definitely one of the most supportive teams in Formula 1, if not throughout Formula 1 history, 
he can really set himself up to have a, a proper long-lasting legacy if he gets it right over the next year or so. So I think he will stick around for one more year, but I think it's going to be announced with some odd changes or something going on in the background. Yeah, I, I guess there's the the other end of the spectrum of, of driving for free, which is holding out. Maybe he's hoping to uh, to up that contract value. Um, I think he probably knows Mercedes well enough that he's not going to try too much there, but maybe there's something in that. Maybe he's playing the old hard-to-get game. Um, but yeah, be interesting to see what happens. But of course, we already know what happens. Lewis Hamilton has already signed his contract when this goes live. <laughs> Every damn time. Moving on to the next announcement that will be made before this podcast airs. Yuki Tsunoda, the possibility that he'll be racing alongside Pierre Gasly at AlphaTauri next season. So Helmut Marko said over the weekend that it will be someone much younger partnering Gasly. With Sonoda, of course, he's four years younger than Gasly. And the other rivals for that seat, Albon is the same age as Gasly. And Kvyat is older than Gasly, so it looks pretty good for Sonoda uh, if those comments are believed uh, are true uh, are true or not. Um, Sam, do you think that Sonoda gets the Alpha Tauri seat, and do you think it would be harsh on Red Bull? Uh, sorry, harsh on Albon if he's left without one. This is a really tricky one because I don't think Albon deserves that Red Bull seat for another season. I do think they should put Sergio Perez or Atapush Nico Hulkenberg into that seat. I think both of those drivers will gel with what is desired for that second driver. I think Verstappen probably doesn't care who's in that other seat as long as they're not getting in his way. I think that'll be fine for both of those guys. And Perez especially will be able to turn out consistent results time after time. And I think he would do a better job for a year or two until Albon picks up that experience. Now I say Albon picked up that experience, meaning that theoretically he needs a seat in F1 somewhere. Gasly is currently doing what Albon needs to do. Gasly is a year ahead of Albon, theoretically, and, and Gasly's doing a great job. We've seen that from him. He's a race winner, you know? He's a race winner. He's a podium sitter. The guy is churning out great result after great result. If he's finishing the race, you can often say that Gasly's had a really good race, and that's the mark for a good driver in the future. Um, Albon needs that. Albon needs to come back to a, a midfield team, scrap it out, prove that he's better than the other drivers around him, get really comfy with how he likes the car, how he likes his atmosphere, you know, the culture, what he wants in a team, and then assert that and give that when he moves to a bigger team, possibly, if that opportunity comes up. But saying that, Yuki Tsunoda is a good driver. Yuki Tsunoda is strong. Yuki Tsunoda is being backed by Honda, and Honda are rushing the fact that they want a Japanese driver in Formula 1 while they are still backing a car. Even though they're leaving early, I do think they still want to get it there. Um, but Yuki Tsunoda does also deserve it on his own merit. He's a very good driver. The issue for Yuki Tsunoda is that he's still a rookie in F2. He's had a good season. I don't see why he couldn't benefit from another season in a junior formula and possibly go on to win that junior formula. And then he would really have kind of made a name for himself as the up-and-coming and and deserving of an F1 seat. If he moves up this season, I feel like a lot of people will always point to him as, you got the seat because of Honda, though? And I don't think that's fair, because I do think he deserves a seat, but maybe give it a year and prove really, like like Mick Schumacher's done, um, and Callum Eilert. You know, these guys have taken a couple of years in the sport now, in the junior formulas, and have proven why they should have taken the step up. Um, The other issue, of course, a lot of people have been like Dalkut Kvyat, who is the current Alpha Tauri driver. A lot of people say after his performance in Imola, 
uh, which was fantastic, by the way. That um, why, why doesn't he deserve the seat? Why don't we just keep it all the same and let teams develop, let time uh, take its take its course? Well, one performance doesn't mean you get to get to keep a seat. Kvyat's done a good job throughout history, but I don't think he's more deserving or better than Sonoda, who deserves the growth, and Albon, who maybe needs a little bit more time and has more time on his hands than Kvyat. Um, so yeah, I've, it would be really harsh if Albon completely kicked out the team. But, oh, I mean, I don't know what they could do. It's really difficult. So unless they keep everything the same and they just swap Kvyat and Sonoda and take Kvyat out of the sport, oh, someone, someone's getting the, the, the bad end of the deal unless they keep absolutely everything the same. What do you reckon, Harry, in that possible situation where Sonoda gets the Alpha Tauri seat and Albon doesn't have anything at all? How would do you think that would uh, that would reflect on Albon? Right. Christian, Helmet, are you listening? <laughs> You've Here got go. a problem. <laughs> I don't mean it with yourselves. I just mean you have a general pro- problem problem in Red Bull and Alpha Tauri in that you keep promoting Junior drivers, when they're not ready to be promoted, we've seen it with Gasly. We've seen it with uh, we've seen it with Albon now as well. Don't don't put up another junior driver in Sonoda who has had a good you know slash encouraging year, but not outstanding. And uh, I agree with Sam. He I think he needs another year in F two. Um, don't promote him because you need to get your, your other young driver that you've already shafted by promoting him too early back in a car where he can build up his confidence again before you put in another young driver and shaft him as well. Because this is not a sustainable way to run your junior junior program. It doesn't work. And I, 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 don't, I just struggle to see why why they why they can't see it. And I don't I'm, I, I'll put it down to the fact they've had they've had success with their young drivers. It has worked, but it doesn't mean it will work every time because it's being proven that it doesn't work every time. You can't. Not every driver is a Max Verstappen, Sebastian Vettel, or Daniel Ricciardo. And you know, Daniel Ricciardo had a few years in a lower team, as did Sebastian Vettel before he got moved up. Um, yeah, look, I, I, it does. It's. I know we've been really harsh on Albon, and uh, rightly so, because he's not driven well, particularly well this year. Um, but he doesn't deserve to lose his, a seat in F1 altogether because he was shoved into the Red Bull ha- half a year into his Formula 1 career. Um, it's clearly not working, as it wasn't for you know for Gasly as well. And he he deserves at least to get to regain his form confidence in in an Alpha Tauri before they completely kick him out of F1. Like it's just that's not, I, I, that's not fair. <laughs> and I know F1 is cruel, but that just doesn't seem fair. That's not what they should do. And it's not even for someone who, you know, Sonoda, I wouldn't say he's better than Albon. So it doesn't just doesn't make sense. Seems like an odd, odd move. And it's almost like they just don't want to admit that they're wrong. And I think that's just Helmut Marco, to be honest. So, I mean, something that is being considered here is that Alex Albon, this is a possibility that Alex Albon goes back to Alpha Tauri. He gains some experience and gains some time there after a failed spell at Red Bull. Wouldn't it be brilliant if they had some sort of evidence to prove that that works? Wouldn't that I be know. brilliant? If only they could have some sort of conviction behind that plan because it's already been done before. Oh, wait, hang on. It's literally happening at the moment. 
<laughs> they only have to look in front of themselves to see that Pierre Gasly, who was promoted too early to the Red Bull seat, same as Albon, didn't do very well there, same as Albon, and is now doing much, much better when he's given more time to gain experience. That's the third part that Albon could do as well. So you've literally got the evidence right in front of you, Red Bull. Use it, take advantage of it, and make the right decision here. We have to remember that Alex Albon, he's had a tough year, and we we have been critical of him, but I don't think any of that has been unwarranted. He's done as well as Gasly did in that car. I think some would argue maybe even slightly better. Um, but at, at the very least, they've, they've basically done the same job in that Red Bull car. Gasly was given another chance, and he's performing very well as a result of it. I've got no doubt that Alex Albon could do the same thing again. And something that you raised, Harry, but it's important to remember as well, is that Alex Albon was promoted after just half a season in the Toro Rosso, as it was back in 2019. Pierre Gasly, we agree that he was thrust way too early into that seat as well. But he had over one season at Toro Rosso. He had the full uh, full 2018 season, but he also had a few races at the back end of 2017 as well. So if Gasly can recover after having had more races under his belt, I've got no doubt that Albon could do the same. But they've got to give him the opportunity. Albon has proven that he's got potential. All you have to do is go back a couple of years to his last year in F2 to to really find evidence of that. He was right there with Lando Norris and George Russell competing for the championship. He ended up finishing third, but there wasn't a great deal in it. It is important to remember that Albon is older than the pair of them, which is important in the junior formula, but still something that has to be bared in mind. Like He is a good driver and he's got potential and they need to work out a way that to extract that because it's not happening at the moment and it's definitely not going to happen if they ditch him altogether. They've got a good driver there. They just need to find out a way to use it. I think Albon losing his seat entirely from F1 would be massively unfair to Albon. However, I just think it would be Red Bull shooting themselves in the foot. I don't think this would benefit Red Bull any more than it would benefit Albon. As as you raised, Harry, they have got a problem with their junior programme. And if Albon was to go completely and Sonoda was to go into the Alpha Tauri seat and they were to get someone else in for the second Red Bull seat, suddenly it, it's not as if they have the it's not as if they have the plethora of talent like Ferrari do. You know, Ferrari have got Eilert and Schwartzman and they've got Schumacher, Armstrong, all waiting in the wings, ready to ready to be promoted at some point. Red Bull don't have that. Red Bull have got Jayan Taruvala, but I don't think he's going to be Red Bull quality. They've got Yuri Vips, but they're doing a masterful job of messing up his junior career. So it's not as if they've got someone next in line after Sonoda. I think Sonoda would do... I, th- I think he could benefit from another season in, in F2. And I don't think it would cost him in terms of his overall progress in the sport. He's had a brilliant first season in F2. And I, I understand the comparison to, to Schumacher, but I, I think that does something of a uh, an injustice to Sonoda, to be perfectly honest, because you know, Schumacher was not inside the top 10 in his first season of F2. And the same applies for Eilert as well. Sonoda in his first season currently sat third in the championship. So I think he's done a really good job of adjusting to the series straight away, where a few of his rivals couldn't. 
But having said that, I think he's got every chance of coming back and winning the championship next year without it hurting his development. So the way in which I would do it is is get Albon back in AlphaTauri alongside Pierre Gasly. That's really helpful for Red Bull because whoever comes out on top in that rivalry is in a good position to go forward. And they will kind of know definitively who loses that rivalry, who definitely doesn't have a place in Red Bull's future. And then higher, you know, my preference would be Perez, but Hulkenberg's there as well for that second Red Bull seat, um, which means they will probably do the complete opposite. But there we go. <laughs> Bloody Red Bull, get it together, lads. Honestly, Red Bull, you're our, you're our chance to, to take down Mercedes. You, you've got to, you've got to take them some more seriously. Come on. Move on to box office Kevin Magnussen because it was announced a few weeks ago now that Kevin Magnussen would be leaving Haas at the end of the 2020 season. Roman Grosjean, of course, is as well. Uh, No other realistic F1 alternative in sight, seemingly. Harry, do you think that Haas were harsh to drop box office? Uh, Nah. (laughs) Not really. (laughs) Decisive. Yeah, he's he's, he's not... um... He's, we love him. Look, he's box office, he's entertainment, and he, he on his day, he can have a solid drive sometimes. Um, but, I, I, you know, I'm not saying he was worse than Grosjean. I'd say out of the two of them, he was better over the over the uh, stint they've had together at the team. But Haas are in a rut, and I'm not saying it's all down to the drivers. Absolutely not. Because, um, you know, they're both F1 drivers, they're both quality drivers, but I just think they need to, we've been saying this for about three years, but then they finally decided it's time. But they need, they just need to freshen things up. They need new, new blood in the team, and I think it will help. So, um, yeah, I, I think it was the right call. You know, we love K-Mag, but I could, we spoke about this the other day. I could easily see him going off to IndyCar. It's, IndyCar is right up box office street because IndyCar itself is box office a lot of the time. So, um, yeah, you know, he'll, he'll be fine. And it's it's probably a case of another career that, that you know, what could have been if, he, if Ron Dennis hadn't dumped him on his birthday, which is incredibly hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, it's still hurts. I know, and you know they chose they chose Button over him for 2015, which I, st- I still think was the right call. But the way they handled it, and then basically just booted out, booted booted him out of McLaren, was was cruel. And then he had to find his way back in, which fair dues he did, and got back in a Renault. Um, yeah, uh, there, there was potential to to be much more there, and it was perhaps never fulfilled. But yeah, I, I think it was still the right call. I don't I don't see. Maybe they could have kept him in with one rookie, but I, I stand by the fact they just needed new blood in that team for 2021. Do you think that Haas were harsh at all, Sam? Yeah, I do. I think that um, K-Mag has actually had a really tricky career since kind of arriving in McLaren. He was dumped on his birthday. He kind of arrived in that McLaren was plummeting off a cliff in terms of form. Um, much like Sergio Perez, really. Those two have kind of had a similar storyline, but Perez is almost... Perez, I think he's a better driver for a start, but I also think Perez has fallen on his feet a little more with the teams that he's found himself into. Um, K-Mag then went to Renault, obviously, when Renault were not the best that they were, um, which is tough. And then Renault went for a period where they were just booting drivers out left, right and centre as well. Uh, Rip Jolien Palmer. And then, of course, <laughs> oh, Jolien. you know, turned off at Haas and did really well in the couple of seasons that Haas were a strong midfield team. 
And he's then, I think, fallen foul of the, you know, the, the poor, harsh reputation they've had over the last couple of seasons. He's not necessarily the best at developing a car, but it's not all about the driver when it comes to developing a car. You know, aerodynamics, engineers, all these people are there. They can pay a lot of money to create a, a strong car. And their engine isn't great either. You know, they're running a Ferrari engine in that Haas car. So I think it's very difficult for him to apply his trade and apply his skill. And we regularly see K-Man cropping up a lot higher than he realistically should be. And I think the points are a bit deceptive. You know, he's currently 19th. He's last of pretty much everyone other than I think George Russell, who's behind him, um, which, which is tough. But yeah, yeah, I think he's an underrated driver. I think if he does go to IndyCar, he'll absolutely love it because he'll just punch anyone that gets in his way, <laughs> um, which I'm all for. I'll happily turn up for that every weekend. Um, but yeah, so for me, I do think it'll be good to give him another year. I'd like to have seen him in a better midfield car. If he was in a racing point, or still in the McLaren, or even still in the Renault next to um, Ocon now, with Danny Rick leaving. I think he'd be turning out some pretty good performances. I don't think he's a world championship level man, but I think he's a good driver. So I would have liked one more season with a rookie, but I also completely understand where the management's coming from. I understand the decision, but it's a shame, because I think he could have been something something decent. Yeah, I I think it's somewhat harsh um just because has have been in such a dire situation in the last couple of years just to compare this to we'll, we'll go back to alban with alban you know the, the case for dropping him is that if he was the, if he wasn't there and someone else was in the car they might claim that they could have had an extra i don't know 50 points or an extra 70 points with has it's not as if they can claim that you know, Kevin Magnussen can sit there and think, well, I've been I've been fired. Could I have got more points than I did? Maybe a few, but realistically, nothing he could have done would have changed their situation. Haas were in Haas were and still are in an awful circumstance. And regardless of what driver they have, they're still going to be in that spot until they improve the car. So I can I feel as if Magnussen can feel hard done by in that sense. And you know, when the car was performing at a reasonable level, Magnussen did, for the most part, respond to it. I don't think he was brilliant, but he was better than Grosjean, which, okay, maybe that's not saying much, but he was all right. He was absolutely fine in that car. He put together some good performances. And realistically, 2018, if he has a better teammate, and if he has a teammate that performs on a similar level to what he did, there's every chance they would have nicked fourth place away from Renault that year. Um, so, you know, Magnussen was the guy that led the team that year and the, you know, Magnussen and Grosjean, obviously Grosjean had the advantage in the first season they were teammates, but after that point, it was pretty much Magnussen all the way. Uh, his consistency is lacking somewhat. Um, and just to say, I think there was a lot more that Magnussen could do to save his job just because you're not scoring points. You know, there's, you can still put together performances that, that show what you're capable of. You know, George Russell's done that for the last two years. He hasn't got any points, but anyone with uh, any knowledge of Formula One can see he's doing a really good job in the car. Uh, Magnussen, I, I think he's had actually an okay season, really. And last season as well, I don't think he was awful. So... He can feel hard done by to an extent, not completely, but to an extent. I thought that Haas were going to go down the road of replacing Grosjean and keeping Magnussen and then bringing in a rookie driver alongside. 
we know how difficult that has has been over the last few years. Uh, and one of the reasons that was cited for not replacing Grosjean or Magnussen last season was that the car was in such an awful state and it had very specific issues to that car that their experience with handling it and knowing how it's progressed or I guess not progressed, that was valuable to the point where they didn't feel it was worth getting rid of them both. So I feel it would have been actually quite useful to keep some of that experience within the team for at least one more season. And I think Magnussen of the two drivers would have been the best driver to carry that on. Uh, And, you know, you'd then have a rookie, whether that be Schumacher or or Mazepin or whoever it may be, then has the opportunity to learn off of him. So, yeah, bit bit surprised that they've gone down the route of, they're seemingly going down the route of two rookies. Um, So Magnussen... I hope he lands on his feet because I do think he's a solid driver. Shame it didn't work out. Could he have done more? Yes. Is it a bit harsh? Also, yes. <sighs> 4K, Mag. We'll see you on Saturday night, though, mate, with the, the big screens and the curtains come back. I can't wait to sit in my box office seats. Ah, <laughs> uh, box office. Box office, box office. We'll have to find a, a new nickname for a driver to replace box office Magnuson. Yeah, it'll be on the Sky Movies soon, won't we? Or we just set up a Just Giving page and get him in one of the Williams seats. Or he could just become another member of the podcast. Yeah, I'd be game for that. Stay tuned, everyone, for absolutely nothing going to happen on that front. (laughs) Anyway, we'll move on to our final segment of the podcast. And that is, of course, F1 Guess the Year. I mean, this is a great song, isn't it? It's time to play F1! Guess the year! It's no F1 it's not, back and forth, No, it? it's not got the same vibe. Uh, sorry, guys. Sorry, everyone who was yep. expecting F1 back and forth. But we can't do that every week. It's a treat. It, yeah, exactly. All good things in moderation and all that. Um, everyone guess the year is when we play quite sporadically, but we've brought it back. Uh, it will be Harry versus Sam. So they'll take it in turns. I will give three clues as to a year in Formula One. Very simply, they just have to tell me what year I'm talking about and they'll have three each. So, Sam, would you mind kicking us off? Do you want, on, do you want the first do you want the first three or the second three? I'll give you give you the option. I will have the first three, please, Ben. All right, here we go. So, your first one. Three facts. First fact: the winner of the Australian Grand Prix didn't win another race that season. One Pablo right. Montoya <gasps> finished fourth in the championship. And Takuma Sato was disqualified from his home Grand Prix. What Ooh. year am I talking about? Um... Should be able to get a decent range from the drivers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I do. I do. I'm just narrowing it down in my mind. In my mind. And everyone uh, listening, of course, play along. Play along. And can Definitely, you guess yeah. what the year is? Um... Oh, it's really difficult. I'm going to go with... Uh, where, where did Mr. Chunky finish? Sorry. 
He finished fourth. Yeah. <laughs> finished fourth. Uh, I'm going to go with 2005. What's your, um, what's your logic on that one? Mr. Chunkier moved to McLaren. I feel like Armand Sato was about. I can't remember who won the Australian Grand Prix that year. If it was Schumacher, then I'm having a nightmare. Uh, fortunately for you, it wasn't Schumacher, although he did only win one race that year anyway. But um, Fisichella won the Australian Grand Prix. Ah. You are right. 2005 is the correct answer. Come he w- on. He would have won too if he hadn't defended thin air and bloody Suzuka. <laughs> oh, Fizzy. Come on, Fizzy. Oh. Hates fans. <laughs> what a guy. What a guy. Harry, your first one. The Euro- European Grand Prix has a brand new venue for this season. The driver who finished second in the championship had more wins than the driver who finished first. And David Coulthard got his final podium. Oh. Damn, I was going to say, I was going to say 2020, whatever it was. When Valencia became the European That's exactly what I was thinking as well. DC was old then. He was not racing anymore. DC's final podium. What's the other one? European Grand Prix, DC, and... Oh, the driver who finished second. Yeah. Had more wins. DC's final podium have been... Uh, uh, 2007? That's what I was thinking. One later... 08. Oh, so Felipe Massa. Yeah, Canada. Oh, man, I thought it was Cheeky DC. Still churning out the results. Cheeky DC. And that year, Massa had six wins to Hamilton's five. So, 08 on that one. <laughs> Absolutely robbed. robbed. Sam, we'll move on to your second one. A debutante claimed pole position in his first F1 race. Martin Brundle raced for the final time in F1 and Ligier won their final race in their last season. Ooh. Ooh. I'm going to go... I'm going to have to take a pure punt. And I think it's the Ligier thing that's giving it away from me and, and the Brundle. I, I don't know the... I, well, yeah, I do. Is it 96? It is 96. What's your what's your logic on that one? I just... The Ligier thing for me, I, I remember them being around. It sounds ridiculous. I always seem to remember Ligier not being in F1 when I remember watching F1 as a child. So they must not have been around in 97, 98, because I'm quite old, everyone. Um, so I, you know, 96 was kind of it for me. Um, Brundle, again, I knew that he kind of was around the mid-90s, mid not the mid-2000s, he's not that young. <laughs> um, again, who was the driver that took pole in their very first? Was it well, Schumacher? Absolutely. No. Oh, mate. Oh. Jacques Villeneuve. That's why I don't remember. <laughs> Harry was fuming over there. 
Although that would have been very impressive for that to be Michael Schumacher, already a two-time world champion and being a debutant. It's impressive. I think that. I thought, what a silly thing to say. Anyway. But you've got the right answer, yeah. At the end of the day, you're the right answer. All right, Harry, moving on to your second one. Mercedes-Benz return as an F1 engine supplier. Ferrari win a race for the first time since 1990. And Nigel Mansell wins his last F1 race. The... 1994. Correct. Yes. Oh, great shout. Smashed it. Yeah. So Nigel Mansell won the Australian Grand Prix that year, and Ferrari finally won a race after a few year wait. So the last one for both of you, Sam. If you get this one, you get three out of three. Three out of three. An Australian driver claims back-to-back wins for the first time. Sergio Perez gets a podium and Jensen Button scores over 100 points. Mm. If it's 100 points in our heart, that could be any year. Yeah. True. Very true. Well, between 2000 and 2016, obviously. I'll give you a clue. I'm not using our hearts as the determinant (laughs) of how many points he got. I am not certain... But I'm going to say 2012. It's a good guess, but it's not right, I'm afraid. Ah, damn. Any, any ideas, Harry? Uh, t- Checo's first podium. Uh, he got a podium. Ah, uh, I got a podium. T- 2014. 2014 is correct, yeah. So McLaren, that was the final year that they weren't Absolutely awful. So Jensen Button managed to get over 100 points. Um, <laughs> Perez got a podium at Bahrain that year. And Daniel Ricciardo, his second and third wins were back-to-back. So, Oh, I was thinking of Weber. Damn it. Yeah. So, Harry, can you get two out of three as Sam has done with the last one here? Michelin returns as an F1 tyre supplier. Prost have their last F1 season. Prost the team, not the driver. And Mika Hakkinen did not beat his teammate across the season. Uh, 2001, because he yeah. was bad that year. Yeah, <laughs> he, he was. He was bad that year. Unlucky um, as well. Unlucky as well. True, so true. We'll always remember the US, though, if nothing else. What a moment. But well done, both of you. Two out of three for each. So we, we it's a tie. Which hopefully is not the way the the actual election is going to go at the time of recording, but no, I, I don't think I can deal with probably four years of of legal battles. <laughs> you're, you're not you're not going to challenge the challenge the result, right, guys? Please say well. No. Harry did get my one right that I got wrong, so I'm quite happy to doff the cap to a, like a subtle victory to Harry's way. Wow! So Trump beats Biden. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> plus, plus, that's the conclusion from this podcast. I can't think of a better way to end. Well, actually, I can think of a few better ways to end. Regardless, Sam, if you wouldn't mind getting us out of here, 
I don't believe it, folks. Next week, we're going to be in Turkey. Not the three of us. We're going to be in lockdown in the UK. But F1's going to be in Turkey. We're back at Istanbul. Infamous turn eight. Watch it be a straight line now with these cars being so good. Um, we've got another video coming out on YouTube soon. It's about Nico Rosberg. So stay tuned for that as well. It's a little bit hot and spicy. Um, and we'll be bringing you lots more F1 content as always. In the meantime, I've been Sam Insane. I've been Ben Hawking. And I've been Frank Montagni. And remember... Keep breaking like...
Social Podcast Network.